I just had church. If you went home right now, we need to charge you a hundred bucks a piece just to get to sing those kinds of songs. Thank you, worship team. Wow. So, soak my handkerchief. Oh, could sing that all day. Now let me say this. Uh, everybody, not in my Sunday school class, you are guests, but we are in a Sunday school class and we expect you to cooperate and behave. Uh, we've given you notes. We're doing a class on Romans. We're going eight weeks for the first eight chapters. So we're flying through the book. We're flying. Okay. Now, the thing about it is this worship service just took 45 minutes of our time. So I will be going for the next hour and a half. And so there'll be no donuts and no cookies, no co no uh, no bathroom breaks, and uh, lock the doors. So we will go. Uh, well, don't need to torture you, but we're going to go as far as we can. But right here, I want you to meet our Sunday school class. They'll greet you after a while. And uh, Larry got a, a throat problem. Something got caught in his throat. Wound up throwing up for three hours yesterday. Wound up in ER. They went in and biopsied his throat. We still don't know what's wrong with it, but uh, he had a rough day, and uh, it got so bad he called me to preach for him. So it was desperate, and so uh, let's uh, turn in your notes. Let's turn to Romans one. You don't mind me doing Romans, do you? I first heard the book of Romans when I was 19, and I told the Lord, if he let me, I would preach that book the rest of my life. And so, uh, in July, I will have done it for 60 years. So, it's a feast. I'm still trying to figure it out. The theme of the book, the theme of the book is verse 16 and 17. And he announces, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You're ashamed of the gospel if you know, if you don't know what it can do. Most people, you say the gospel, they think Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They don't know it's a specific message. And this is what he says. I'm not ashamed of the good news because in it is the power of God. That's quite a statement. In the message, in the message of this good news is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Well, and what we're going to look at today is the kind of people it can change. And I'm going to tell you, if it could change what we're about to look at today, it's powerful. It's really powerful. And we'll, we'll be looking at that. Then it goes on. This gospel came to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And right there, we shared how that Luther understood that to be uh, a righteous standard, God's perfection, that in the gospel, the perfection of God is revealed. And 
that's partially true, but he saw it as a hoop that he, if I could get up there, if I could get that righteousness, I've got it made. But he felt so guilty as even an Augustinian Catholic monk, and he felt so uh, aware of his sinfulness, he said, I hate God for setting that standard. I'm already bad enough, and now you're telling me there's a righteousness I've got to achieve. We're using NIV because majority of people in the classes I've been teaching use it, and they get it right here. It says, a righteousness, a righteousness, right there. That is by faith. And what he shows in Romans, the righteousness he requires is a gift of righteousness received by faith. It's not a righteousness achieved by works. A righteousness received by faith, not a righteousness achieved by works. Totally different. All other religions are trying to work your way to heaven, and they're not succeeding. So then he goes to verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Uh, right here, that, that watch reveals the intelligence of the maker. Does it not? Now, now maybe you think this evolved. It just evolved. Things just spring up. You just leave a pond unattended for a million years and a watch will spring up. Is that what evolution wants us to believe? Oh, oh, let's make it 10 billion. What's another billion? Just leave it alone long enough and we've got a human being. Isn't that amazing? Just like that. But, but God says things that exist reveal the maker of them. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to put that together. Things made reveal their creator, their maker, their inventor. Even Phil Johnson over at Bolt School of Law went on the road teaching intelligent design. If you don't like the word creationist, at least say that behind all creation, someone with intelligence did it. I mean, and he's saying here in Romans, hey, God has revealed himself. Just go and look at the space shuttles and, and look at the Hubble uh, microscope, not microscope, telescope. Look at the solar system 
billions, millions of stars, where did they come? Oh, they just happened. Uh, who, who coordinated the tides? Who coordinated how close the sun comes to the earth? Too much heat would burn us up. Way too far, we'd freeze to death. You know, this stuff just happened. No, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. You could be a good pagan and still have enough sense to know somebody created this. Yeah. And so he says in this revelation, he goes right through here, that the human race has turned against what it can know about God. And there are four eyes to help you remember this chapter one. Four things the race did. So you want to write these things in your notes. Uh, you might get tested on this before you go to heaven. Oh, no, it's by grace. I'm sorry. You can remain stupid about the Bible and still go to heaven. Uh, they, first of all, chose to be ignorant of God. Our ignorance, the whole race started out knowing God. Adam and Eve knew God. Uh, Noah and his family all knew God. They all started knowing God. But he says the wrath of God is being revealed. Let's talk about that, the wrath of God. It's the word God's anger. We don't like that. We don't have a God that we give the right to be angry because he's made in our image. Human anger is emotional. It's usually uh, out of pride. Um, and, and usually irrational. You can do some terrible things when you're angry. And that's what James says, the anger of man doesn't do anything right, usually. Uh, you get physical, you can hit people, hurt people. You do some bad stuff when you're angry. God, God's not controlled that way. God's anger is always a righteous disgust and disdain for that which is sinful against him. As you read the early Psalms, you'll find things that it's hard for you to believe. He'll say he hates certain people. And we've always said he hates the sin but loves the sinner. Read the early Psalms. He, he tells the sinners he hates. Those who kill people, he hates. Uh, a pedophile, God said, I hate it. Uh, you molest children, you rape women, you kill the innocent, I hate it. I hate it. And God has hated so much evil that he's not been passive. Did, did you, has anyone here ever read the book of Genesis? How far did we get in Genesis before God decided to wipe out the whole race? How many chapters? One, six. Chapter six. Come on, Lord, the story hadn't even got started. We're only chapter six? Yeah. Chapter six. Noah built an ark because I'm grieved that I ever made man. Genesis 6, 5. Every thought and intent of his heart is on evil continually. I'm going to wipe out the race. And in chapter 6, angels were raping women 
and giving birth to a new breed of creatures called the Nephilim. And God said, I'm going to wipe them out. God was angry. Genesis 19, what happens there? Lot's living down in Sodom. God said, I hate what's going on. Wiped it out in a day. Got, got Lot out. His wife turned a pillar of salt. He and his two daughters are the only ones that made it out. He wiped out the whole city. Ah, what about uh, Genesis 11? They were all going to build a worship center to heaven, and God comes down, and in one day, everybody starts speaking another language. Nobody understood each other. It was hard to say pass a brick from then on. You don't know what they said. God's angry. God's angry. He's been angry ever since Genesis with what man has been doing. And, and we don't teach that, see. We want to get right to the gospel. Tell them the good news, the good news. He got to, he, this is the evangelist. He said, let me tell you the bad news first. Before man will submit to surgery, he needs the diagnosis. Let me give you the x-ray. This is what God sees in the human race. First thing, they choose to be ignorant of God. He goes on to say they exchange what may be known of God that they, they took the lie over God. So man's ignorance of God is self-chosen. The second thing they did, they chose to be idolaters. Second eye. And, and they chose, let's go down here to verse uh, 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged. I call it the great exchange. The glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, birds, animals. What was the God of Egypt? A calf. What did they bow and worship with old Aaron? Oh, we put the gold in and out came a golden calf. The, the calf. And then if you're in India, worship the cobra. I've seen films of them kissing the heads of cobras. Uh, worship the rat. You'd be amazed at the things that man has worshipped in the animal world. And so they said, no, no. We don't want this God. We choose a rat. We choose a, a calf. We choose something made of gold, an image. Uh, we'll worship Mary. When I was in Mexico City, I went to the chief Catholic cathedral. Mary was above, and Jesus was at her feet. You came to worship Mary, and Jesus was subordinate to Mary. And they stayed on their knees for about two blocks to get in. I waited because I wanted to see it. It's amazing what we will turn to. So here the human race turns from the knowledge of God to idolatry. And so what does God say? God says in verse 24, 26, and 28, I will turn you over. I will turn you over. I will turn you over. And what God is saying 
If you don't want me long enough, I have the power to turn you over and let you do all you want on your way to hell. I'll lift the restraints. And that's what he's doing in America. The restraints are being lifted. And uh, we're becoming more wicked by the day. Uh, we're doing things today that when I was at Richmond High, I couldn't imagine. That was way back in the 60s. And, and in the 60s, they did pretty bad. Let me tell you, honey, we did a lot of stuff. Uh, but it has so advanced in my lifetime, I can't imagine what my grandchildren are going to grow up with. Uh, when I think of it as a boy, if I saw a playboy, that was the thrill of the year. And I went by the liquor store to see that. But now on a phone, our 11-year-olds now are addicted to pornography. I asked a teacher recently, where does it start now? He said, about seven. And trying to get legislation to, to legalize pedophile, to legalize molesting children and sell it. We're a wicked, wicked nation. Wicked. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, you're bankrupt. I don't know who to vote for. Ain't either one of the candidates what I want. I'm stuck. I'd rather vote for zero. It's a wicked, wicked country. Not Christian. We're wicked. We're being given up. Given up. And the nations are being given up. Because God says, you don't want me? Hell will be the ultimate giving up. You will not be bothered with me for eternity. Pray you'll never see you or your children given up. May God not give up your family. I'm praying for grandchildren. Out of 18 of them, I don't know how many are going to heaven. It's amazing how quick God evaporates in a family tree. My dad had 10 brothers and sisters, and at least eight of them were Christians. Our family tree, it's amazing how few of us are now Christians. How's your family tree doing? Well, they choose to be ignorant of God, idolaters, turned over, and in turning them over, they turn over to vile immorality, so that men don't know what to do with women. Women don't know what to do with the men. Sex loses its original purpose, which was given for procreation, given between a man and a woman, given for the bonds of marriage. And now, who knows what it's about? It's, it's so out of definition. And then finally, he just turns him over to iniquity, and he lists about 30 sins that the human race are guilty of. And uh, I'd like to say this. This is a day you can't call anything sin or call it wrong, because this is what, here's the response. Well, that is a sin. You, you're, who made you a judge? Where's your tolerance? Where's your, you, you're one of those right-wing, fundamental always right Christians, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm just a Bible Christian. And what, what does that mean? I call it whatever God calls it. 
You what? I didn't make the judgment. God did. God said stealing's wrong. Who, who made you my judge? I'm not your judge. I'm just quoting what the judge has legislated. I'm quoting the judge. Well, don't tell me what to do. No, no, God's going to let you go to hell with your opinion. We had a man one time we were dealing with in the church. He was living in adultery. He took me out to lunch and told me he was living with this chick. And I said, you're living with her? I said, man, you shouldn't have told me that. I could have enjoyed lunch. Now we've got to discipline you. You, you either marry her or move out. He said, oh, you don't tell me what to do. I said, well, really, we're just going to notify the church. You're an adulterer and you don't want to do the right. And he was kind of threatening. He was big. I had my brother stand with me. <laughs> and uh, I didn't want him to beat me up in church. It didn't look good. And... Uh, uh, and, and the guy, in a smart aleck way, said, I, I, I'm not in adultery. I'm just living with her. We plan to get married. And, and I remember those young deacons in those days, most of them had just been off a pot for about three months, and now they're deacons. And, and one of them just put his finger on the guy's chest, which I thought was dangerous. And he said, you know what? We call it what God calls it. We use God's dictionary. You make up what you say. I, I think this is right, that's right. What? Who cares what you think when you come into the presence of the living God? He is the final word on everything. He's the final word. Is he not? And of course, this isn't, we're not going to get away with this in the newspaper at Cal Berkeley. They're going to stone us before we get off campus in the name of tolerance. I'm getting so old, I'm getting more political. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. So he goes on in that chapter telling them what's What's the problem that God sees? This is all the sin the gospel has to overcome. It's the power of God that can save people that are ignorant of God, that are in idolatry, as most of the Gentile world was, that are in gross immorality, and that are in various kinds of iniquity. It's the human race. Now he picks up in chapter 2, and uh, he deals with the moralist, the more, uh, the more righteous kind. People like Seneca, Plato, some of the sophisticated Greek philosophers would say, well, we're not that, um, oh, what, what could you say, obnoxious or, or that given over, uh, that bad. And so God begins to deal with how he's going to judge them. Then he goes, how he will deal with the Jews who claim they've got to, the Jews felt like all Gentiles would go to hell. And if a man was circumcised and related to Abraham, he could not go to Gehenna. That's what their rabbis said. Just be Jewish, just be a male that's circumcised, you've got eternity made. So he first deals with the uh, moralist, and in 
in light of time and since we're sharing this Sunday school class with you, <laughs> uh, let me give you the blanks that you fill in. If I don't give these, the class I teach on Monday night, my wife comes up to me and says, you're not filling in the blanks. <laughs> and I thought, Carolyn, I'd love for you to be seated right now. I'm <laughs> teaching. But I obeyed. Uh, let, let, me, uh, let me just give you these six things, and you can look at them later, okay? Let's go on the standards of divine judgment. Are you there? Okay. He's going to judge the moralist according to knowledge. He's going to judge him according to what he does, not what he... You know, he's judging the guy for speeding, and he happened to pass you doing 80, and you were doing 75. And now you're judging... Man, he's going too fast. Well, the law says you were, too. So he's taking on... God's going to judge you... Did you do what you knew you should do? And you have to look at verse 1 in chapter 2. He's going to judge them according to the truth. The truth. Who's telling us the truth? Uh, you're not getting your truth on TV, are you? Media. Who's telling us the truth? And, and that, that is a, a major question. But it's really serious when it concerns eternity heaven, hell, your soul, God. You can lie to me about a lot of stuff. It won't make any difference. And I'll just say, boy, he's the biggest liar. He must be a salesman <laughs> or a lawyer or a politician. God forbid if he's a preacher. Who's going to tell you the truth? It's the reason you've got to know the Bible for yourself. Don't trust anybody with your soul but God. Uh, three, according to accumulated guilt. He said he, we're storing up wrath. Accumulated guilt. They, they keep doing this evil and it just keeps accumulating unto the day of wrath. He said he's going to judge you according to your works, not your mouth, verses 6 through 10. Judge you according to your behavior. How did you do it? Did you do it? It's, have you heard that line? Most of us are educated beyond our obedience. You, you know far more than what you live. But boy, we sure know how to tell people how to live, how to do it. And just, oh, are you doing it? Uh, it's going to deal with works, not profession. Uh, impartiality, verses 11 through 15, because not whether you're Jewish, not whether you're Gentile, not, there'd be no favoritism. God would just deal with your behavior. And then the secrets of your heart. He's going to judge you according to your motives. By the way, that's a tough one. That's verse 16. You don't know a person's motives. And do you ever judge people by, I think they're wrong. You do? Why? Well, I think in their heart, they don't do, how do you know? I, well, I just think. 
I just feel. Uh, don't judge motives. Just judge action. Only God is going to reveal the motives of our heart. Uh, let's say... Um, uh, we call this a worship service. Well, we don't know who worshiped and who didn't. You could draw an eye to God with your lips and your heart be far from him. We go around with a monitor, ooh, worship. <laughs> Over here, duh. I wish it was a total worship service. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody worshiped today? How many of you got to worship? I was greatly moved, greatly moved. I soaked a handkerchief. I don't do that often. I used to do it all the time. I used to ask my iron worker father, how was the service? He said, it was two handkerchiefs. I always go with two handkerchiefs. Do you? When's the last time you wept in his presence? You don't have a hard heart, do you? What happened to your emotions? Well, I'm not emotional. Well, because you're half dead. That's part of your being. If Dave Smith can shed tears and he cries like a baby in this church, and it's a CHP, let me tell you, he'd slam you against the car quicker than you could imagine. He was made to be tough. He did everything the opposite of what his father told him. Dad said, don't be a paratrooper. He was a paratrooper. Don't be a policeman. He became a motorcycle policeman. But when he started to come to this church, I never preached to another man that wept as much unless he was a Howard than him because he knew what a great sinner he was and what the grace of God did for him. You talk to him. And he'd, be, he'd beat my butt if I was lying. He'd meet me in the back. You look him up. Can I be real? Be, be glad I'm not here every week. You'd really be depressed. <laughs> now, let's go over and see uh, what he says about the religious Jew. I'm just trying to, I'm whipping through the Sunday school lesson <laughs> in 40 minutes that we had an hour and a half, so I'm sorry. Uh, the Jew, he said, they failed to practice the law. I'm giving that, you know, they had the law, but they didn't practice it. They became idolaters. How could they ever give up God for the, the idols of the Gentiles? I mean, when you read the book of Jeremiah, imagine, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a worship service today. You are? And this is a, uh, let's say the guy's name is Benjamin. And what's your sacrifice today? Oh, we're offering up our baby boy to Molech. You're doing what? We're, today we're offering Molech one of our children because that's a part of this pagan worship. So wait, wait, wait. And, and Jeremiah goes to them and he says, you're doing something that never entered the mind of God to ever ask you to do. Who told you to offer up your child? Oh, this is our new religion. Our new We found a new religion. We fired God that got us out of Egypt. We fired him. We've exchanged him. We've got a late, up to, you know, up-to-date God. 
but he only requires your children. We'll replace that later, put that in the budget. Uh, and uh, we, 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 re, we replaced him. Now you got a guy that wants your children. You don't believe that, do you? Well, you haven't read the Bible. Jeremiah said it. And they're, they're little girls. You, you gave up God for this kind of religion? Yeah, I didn't. I've seen church people, they leave the church, and oh my, I've lived old enough to see them 20 years later. Their face looks like Willie Nelson. <laughs> They've been on the road again. I'm going to tell you. And they look like they've been run over by Santa's. <laughs> Sin is hard on you. To be a good sinner will cost you. It, it takes you further than you want to go and keeps you longer than you want to stay and makes you pay more than you want to pay. Stay away from it. I'm a coward. I try to get close to God. My brothers told me, he said, get close to dad when he's spanking you. It won't hurt as hard. Get close. Just, just get in close, real close. Daddy, daddy, daddy. But if you're out here, oh, man, it doubles the pain. It doubles the pain. Don't get away from him. Uh, they, uh, they trusted in externals while disobeying the law. Uh, circumcision, big stuff. Here, here Abraham got saved and he wasn't circumcised. Genesis 12. They didn't have circumcision until Genesis 17. God, God made him a promise he'd be father of nations in Genesis 15. Weren't circumcised. There was no law. Abraham was justified before God without circumcision, without the law, just by faith alone. And, and the Jews went zonkers over it. Ah, oh, this makes us special. And then our diet. We have a special diet. And God said, you're missing me for miles. You're missing me. You're, you're trusting this. This makes me right with God. You know, it's like people say, well, I've been baptized, so I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. You're going to hell wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least you'll be clean, but you, you, you're not going to heaven. Uh, a, a true Jew has had a work done in their heart. And that's the thing to ask yourself. Do I know God in my heart? Do I really know him? Well, do you think you can fill in the blanks for 14 charges against the whole race? How many can do it? How many's wrist is wearing out? Okay, you asked for it. Here we go. I got a little carried away there. He says in chapter 3, he concludes. Now, next week we're going to start. See, it used to take me, I'd have to preach on this five weeks, but we're covering these chapters in one day. This is, a, this is called the jet view. And so, look at what he says. Verse 9, what shall we conclude then? 
Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, and then he lists 14 charges, and he's bringing it right out of the Psalms, 14 charges against the whole human race. And you say, why is he doing this? I've got you in court. I've got you before God. I'm telling you why he's angry. That's all he's, I'm telling you why I'm angry. This is the way you behave. Now, in chapter 3, 21, our next lesson, and I feel sorry for you poor folks that aren't in the Romans class because you'll be out to lunch. You won't know the answer. He's going to tell them what the gospel did to cure their problem. And we'll see the cure next week. Sunday school class downstairs, unless we're up here again. Let's get what he says, 14 charges. There is no one righteous, not even grandma. None. You, that, that's sort of sweeping, isn't it? No one, this is in God's sight. He says in the psalm, there's no one without sin. We've all sinned. No one without sin. Wow. Uh, there's no one who understands, and that's not IQ. No one understands what they ought to understand, God. Remember, we've thrown God out. We're saying he doesn't even, he doesn't even run the universe. We fired him. We've got other gods. So they don't understand. There's no one who seeks God. Isn't that interesting? Oh, they're seeking God. No, they're not. They might be seeking relief because the girlfriend just broke up. You could run a good bar with a lot of broken hearts. Just keep a lot of beer on tap and keep the music going and put on a country song that's whining. And you keep people because they got broken hearts. And, and sometimes they cry in church and you think they got saved. No, they didn't. They, they just beat up. Life has hurt them. Doesn't mean they're saved. Doesn't mean they're seeking God. God seeks you. He chooses you and makes you want him. But left to ourselves, we'll seek another way, any way but God. God's hard to market, though he's free. He's hard to mark. He's just not attractive enough. Uh, all have turned away. They've become worthless, of no value. So fill in. Righteous, there's none righteous. There's none who understands, none who seek God. Uh, all have abandoned God, verse 12. Oh, my. They've turned away. They become worthless. And that word is useless. Uh, there's none who does good in God's sight now. They may relatively do things good in our sight, not even one. And then he starts discussing our anatomy and how sin has affected our anatomy. It's quite a, it's like a doctor's uh, report. And look what he says. It, their throat, in verse 13, their throats are open graves. 
It's one thing to have bad breath. It's another one to have a mouth that smells like a, a cemetery. I mean, that's bad. That is so descriptive. Terrible. I mean, rottenness is in their mouth. It's, it's like a decomposing body in a grave. Hmm. Remember, in Bible times, they didn't have embalming. You had to go to Egypt for that. And few could afford that. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. Um, the poison of vipers is on their lips. Can you imagine meeting someone and say, God's description of you is your lips are full of venom. Uh, think about kissing that good night. I mean, uh, you figure gossip, uh, you know, slander, lying. Look at, look at uh, how much money we pay to see who's being slandered today. Most of the media is slandering somebody. You know, politics, whatever, views, what, whatever the issues are. Um, We've got a few more minutes. Let's see. Their tongue is full of deceit. Uh, every time their lips move, they're lying. They're manipulative. Their mouth is full of cursing. You know, I thought cursing ended after junior high. I thought as, as men grew up, they got mature. But then I used to work out at the YMCA up here, and after doing the swimming laps and everything, they had the sauna, and I'm getting that sauna, and everybody in there was gray-headed, overweight, ugly, and, and probably, you know, 60s plus. And you never heard so much foul language. I thought, I'm at Helms. We're in the eighth grade, just learning how to cuss. And these guys are 16, 70, and they couldn't say a sentence without some foul word. And I thought, I guess puberty stays with you right to your 70s. <laughs> and most men never get out of puberty until about 35. You know, that was Rich Rollins' line. But Full, the mouth, the mind, uh, full of cursing. God damn you was a way of life. Always damning people. Go to hell. Think of that. That's the language of the, go to hell. Do you really mean that? Well, I wouldn't mind if you did. Could, could you imagine that, though? What you just said, you just put a divine curse on me for eternity. Is that what you meant? No, no, well, just, you know, that's just. Or me, when I first got saved, if you MF'd me, I understood you were saying I had sex with my mother. And as long as I was unsaved and could handle you, I'd smack you in the mouth and let's go to it because you don't talk about my mama. 
And you don't call me an SO. I'm saying when I was a scrapper, I wasn't much of one, but it's amazing how a ball bat helps. <laughs> don't cuss my mother. Don't inc- Are you kidding? MFing and stuff is, it, it's just the language of the, it doesn't matter what profession you are, medical field, it's just, it's the, the language, oh, oh, get over it, that's just what we talk. But what you just said implicated my mother. Oh, no, we, we didn't mean that. It's just, a, it's just a word. You mean they have no meaning. You don't take anything for real. He said, that's man's mouth. He's always cursing. I mean, like the little boy said, he was 10 years old before he found out his name wasn't shut up. I mean, he didn't know what his name was. Uh, their feet are swift to shed blood. Don't you mess with me. I'll pull over and shoot you. Oh, they wouldn't do that in California. We're educated. Uh, then uh, destruction and misery are in their way. Verse 16. Don't hang out with them. They'll get you hurt. The way of peace they've not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So what's the verdict? God's righteous judgment shuts every mouth. They, they, they shut up. No, nobody can argue before God. God's righteous judgment shows that no one is right before God. We're all sinners. This is why God is angry, but yet he's done something about his anger. He has sent his son to quench it, and you may want him and you may not. He may not be good enough for you to trust, but if you'll trust him, he'll give you eternal life. Music team, let's sing. And then my class, only the elect, (laughs) my Sunday school class, will be able to go out and greet everyone and try to get them to make a donation to something. And uh, let's stand. Where's the music people? All right, you're dismissed. I think they went out to uh, Starbucks. Okay, you're dismissed. You guys, you can greet people. Thank you.